The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Let's get to our guest. King Xingong is uh, with us, uh, head of fixed income for the APAC region at State Street Global Advisors, joining on the line from Singapore. King Xingong, uh, thanks for being with us. I think we have to begin with this reading on uh, CPI that we had in the U.S., uh, a monthly advance that was much smaller than uh, what the market was braced for. We saw a collapse in yields right across the Treasury curve. I think the market was already braced for the fact that we're going to probably more than likely see a 50 basis point rate hike tomorrow at the Fed's uh, December meeting. But does this necessarily mean that the Fed is going to become far less aggressive in, in its stance on raising rates as we move into 2023? Yeah, I, I would think so. The, the, the recent um, softness of the data does give the Fed uh, a little bit more leeway in terms of making adjustments to the policy in terms of the magnitude of rate hikes. Certainly, the, the lower inflation number would help. Uh, I think moving into next year, as we see the growth begins to slow down as expected, uh, I think the Fed may have to um, change in terms of uh, what they have been doing in the last few months. So certainly, I think it sets up the market well in that direction. But again, we can't fully rule out right if there are any other surprises that come out along the way between now uh, and the next few months, then the Fed will still stay course on what they have been doing. So I think the market right now is betting along the line that the, the Fed will kind of moderate further from where they are. So that's what we are looking at at the moment. Yeah, it's pretty clear that the aggressive policy so far is having the desired effect, but of course it does have a lagging impact. Uh, how much of that lag do you feel is yet to be reflected? And what's the greater risk now, over-tightening or, or letting up too soon? Um, I, I think the, the Fed is trying to calibrate its monetary policy, and it's never an easy one given what's happening with all the macro drivers around us. Uh, I think right now it does feel that uh, there are certain uh, sectors of the economy beginning to feel the slowdown. Um, whether they have been over-tightening, perhaps is a bit premature to say. Um, you know, the, the numbers clearly are on the weaker side, as long as we don't really move into a recession in, in a very uh, long manner. I think the Fed perhaps may be getting it somewhat closer to correct. So I think that at this point in time, it feels that uh, they are kind of about on the right track. In terms of the yield curve, I think we've got, what, negative 73 basis points in spread between the 2 and the 10. Obviously, we're inverted. Is that going to remain the case for some time, an inverted U.S. Treasury yield curve? I think at least until the market um, kind of starts to price in a rate cut, I think the curve may stay flat and somewhat inverted still. I think so therefore going into next year, 
more or less the the inverted curve may um, stay for a while. It's, it's a matter of whether that would stay as inverted as now. Um, you know, that would be, uh, I, I guess, something that may change. Yeah, we've not seen inversion at these levels since the 1980s. Do you, do you feel that recession is pretty much inevitable based on that, or is it still avoidable? Well, the, the statistics in the past have shown that the U-curve uh, slope has a pretty good uh, prediction power. Uh, and I guess I, I won't fully rule that out, which means that the probability of a recession is reasonably high, given what we are seeing. Now, of course, the um, you know the, the the Fed may continues to um, adjust its policy, and we may perhaps see some uh, slightly better performance in the economy. So, I think looking at where the curve is, at least we are looking for a weak growth, uh, at least bordering recession. And again, the the technical recession is one thing, and what the the uh, NBER would define as recession is another. Uh, but I would say that uh, it does feel like recession, even though in some cases growth may not be uh, at a recession level. So, King Ching, I- I'm wondering whether or not, g- given everything that you're saying, if, if I had to put money to work in fixed income right now and, and I restricted myself, let's say, to, to sovereign debt at where U.S. Treasuries are concerned, if we can perhaps speculate that the Fed will tighten 25 basis points in February and then remain um, tight for a while, but certainly not adjust rates higher. The, the fact is that growth is going to begin to weaken. We're talking about recession. Maybe I want to be more exposed to the shorter end of the yield curve. Is, is a two-year treasury a buy here with a yield of 421? Yeah, I think certainly if you have that view, uh, as you described, uh, it does um, definitely feel like the, the Fed is at the end game, right? Uh, whether the next rate cut is priced in that quickly, it's still very much uncertain. But certainly, if you have that view, um, 50 basis points this week and 25 in February next year, and kind of like that's the end of that, uh, and growth doesn't look good, the very likelihood of uh, the front end starts to do better, I think is getting there. Uh, I guess it's really a timing. So I think I would kind of uh, agree that, um, you know, at some point, the, the short end will start to do better. So I know you also see emerging market local currency bonds rebounding. What's your case? Yeah, the, the emerging markets rebound um, is driven by a, a few things. First of all is the um, overall sentiment on, on rates, we believe, are tilting towards um, less of a, a tightening at, at this point in time, even though we are not fully done. Hence, the sell-off in rates, developed market as well as emerging market, we feel that they are offering value. Emerging market, in, in the sense that we have seen this year, have been beaten up quite badly as well not just on the rate side, but also on the FX or the currency side. Mm. Hence, we are looking at from the point of valuation and where investors' positioning is at the moment, uh, it does feel like the EM local currency on Asia does offer a good opportunity for a rebound next year. Uh, So we would be looking at opportunity in this area for next year. So I'm going to read between the lines then. What we're talking about in terms of U.S. rates, if you extend that into the foreign exchange, uh, the dollar is probably topped out. Are you expecting the dollar to weaken in 2023? And then that would create the case for maybe um, fixed income products, let's say, that are non-dollar denominated. Yep, certainly. The dollar has been helped this year by the U.S. Fed race, obviously, plus also um, some uncertainty and the risk of as well. 
So clearly next year, if we're expecting the Fed to moderate and, and pause thereafter, uh, I think dollar would start to lose its uh, strong support there. Plus also the fact that the other a, um, economies are beginning to uh, kind of stage a bit of a recovery and they're going to be adjusting as well uh, from a low base. So that sets up well for Asian FX, I would think, for next year. And this year has been really bad for many of the Asian currencies. So we expect a bit of a pullback next year, which would bode well for Asian local currency bonds. Well, heading into 2023, what, what's your key risk on the horizon? I think the key risk for for, for next year um, would be on the, uh, the uncertainty that is surrounding the markets. Um, Clearly, the policy directions from uh, authorities, um, you know, may change. It, it could be so some surprises. But I think really uh, the risk is if we do have surprises on the growth side and, you know, tilt us more into uh, a recession, uh, severe environment, I think that could set us up for a slightly different uh, outlook. Now, the other thing that we'll be looking at for, for the risk is also uh, potential geopolitical uh, tensions and the development itself. Um, I think this year has been one that is causing a lot of consternation on the energy and oil yeah. prices. Yeah. Um, so next year, again, uh, that could also be one of the risks that we are looking at. And haven buying, not only in the U.S. dollar, but uh, treasuries, obviously, as well. Ken Chung uh, Ng uh, is um, Asia-Pacific head of fixed income at uh, State Street Global Advisors our guest here on Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.